This is Owen Tinder Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Holy Three Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here as ever with Ruth. Hello. We are going to talk about lots and lots of things today as we have not done a podcast for a while. We're going to talk about uh, the Welsh clubs, uh, whether they're going to get promoted, relegated. We're going to talk about uh, the Welsh League. We're going to talk about Tom Pentra. We're going to talk about issues affecting Wales like Chad Evans and uh, Wayne Hennessy and a plethora of other things um, we are watching Manchester United Man City in the background of this while we do this so if there's uh, any yelps or exclamations then I apologise um, we'll start with Cardiff City they've had a rough ride of it I think in the last couple of weeks and it's hard not to feel sorry for them and Neil Warnock um, I thought obviously the Chelsea game is the one that stands out the first goal is ridiculously offside um, and obviously the refs had an absolute nightmare there and in my view I think the the second goal has come as a direct cause of the first one because everyone's having a tantrum and kind of everyone's lost their concentration, really. Um, equally against Burnley, they had three good penalty shouts. Two of them should have been, and one of them was, in the end, correctly uh, ruled not to be. So it's hard it's hard not to feel sorry for them, just the way things have gone in the last few weeks, really. Um, and it's obviously going to have a massive impact on their season. And, you know, obviously only three points behind Brighton. Uh, with three games to go it's uh, it's all to play for but very tense yeah and I think you're at the point in the season where every little minute mistake becomes a big mistake doesn't it everything is so magnified everything is so precarious absolutely um, I mean I think the fact that they're in this position with three games to go actually speaks to what ironically what a good season it's been for them no I agree you know you think what pundits were predicting for them and to be in a position where they could stay up and they're in a they are in a position to stay up you know and I think Um, realistically the chance of it going to the last day of season is pretty high and uh, there's very very few people who said that and you know people who as people are desperate to do come out and make some sort of rash statement and you know say I was right and all like for Chris Sutton for example to say what he said is ridiculous and and now, really, Cardiff, whatever the outcome, to be honest, of, of shut him up. Mm-hmm. I would love them to stay up almost purely on the basis of shutting him up. But, um, yeah, it's very tense and there's a, there's a lot to play for. Yeah, I mean, I fear that it might actually be their goal difference that does it for them in the end. You can look at the, at those fixtures. You can imagine them winning probably the, the Palace game at home is the most likely of the three. Um, but they could get some points at Fulham as well, depending on how relaxed maybe Fulham are. Yeah which is a pro and a con. Um, but I fear that even if they get that win, they're going to be stuck on 34 points yeah. and, and the goal difference will do for That's them. What does them. I, I think the Fulham one's an interesting one because now they've got relegated. They're having some great results. They beat Everton, they beat Bournemouth. Two clean sheets in a row or something. Um, so, you know, a bit of freedom that they're playing with. It, that could be, as you say, one of the trickier games. Palace are safe, nothing to play for. Um... I can't imagine that's going to be a tough one. And do you know what? I can't imagine that on the basis of what we've seen the last few weeks that they'll be that bothered about going to Old Trafford on the no. last day of the season. If, if that's the thing, you know, that they need a point or something there. Especially when you consider that on the last day of the season, Brighton are going to Man City. Or sorry, other way around. Sorry, Man City yeah. going to Brighton. 
they will 100% have to win their game to win the league so you can't see them getting anything out of their last game perhaps so the, the turning point for me I think is probably that point that Brighton got against Wolves yeah I think that might end up being the determining factor unfortunately because yeah, of the goal um, difference like yeah because the goal difference because even if Cardiff managed to get you know they've got they need a win and a draw now and hope that yeah. hope that Brighton don't get anything which might just be a bit much I mean they've got Newcastle on the weekend mm-hmm. so Christ knows what's going to happen there um, we'll either turn up and be great as we have been for the last couple of weeks or be absolute toilet like we were against Arsenal so who knows what will come of that um I word about Neil Warnock. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the other day about manager of the season awards, and I know it would be fairly counterintuitive to give the manager of the year to someone who may well end up manage a relegated club. And I suppose that the manager of the year, by definition, has to be the manager who's won the league. But I would have a good argument with anyone um, who would say that Warnock isn't at least a contender I think he's done a brilliant job and I know they don't play the most interesting of football but if you watch Brighton against Spurs the other day I I think Brighton touched the ball about four times in the whole second half and it's no different to the way that Burnley play and he kind of gets grief for it Um, I think he's done a really really outstanding job yeah I think it would be a sort of honourable mention type of thing and I think it is important to contextualize things when you look when you're discussing those sorts of things it isn't just about who comes away with the most trophies you're part of the role of the manager the coach is to produce more from the players that then than they could produce with the next person yeah um and so i mean i think that's one of guardiola's strengths is he seems to be able to pull Klopp as well he seems to be able to pull more out of yeah. out of players and Warnock, I think, has pulled more out of those players through the teamwork and through the dynamic and through the collective energy that they have. Not necessarily in a straightforward coaching way, but I think he's pulled more out of those yeah, players. And if, and if that's your criteria, then he should be in the discussion. I totally agree. Um, looking at the game against Liverpool on the weekend, I thought they played pretty well, in fact. First half, they kind of limited Liverpool fairly well and Liverpool had a couple of decent chances but they and they obviously had the lion's share of possession but I certainly don't think that they were you know missing chances left right and centre in the first half they became a bit more stretched second half but overall I think Cardiff should have you know hold their heads high yeah and they that. had that miss that you know yeah, when it was Morrison, nil-nil yeah. that might have swung things differently because yeah. at that point Liverpool might have got a bit jittery yeah, given what's hanging up that. hanging on it for them um, so but that's that's another example of how just small things become so important at this point in the season. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Um, I mentioned something on Twitter uh, after the game on the weekend. I saw so many people being abused, basically, for being plastic fans, in inverted mm-hmm. commas. I said, can we stop with this plastic fans nonsense? Not all people who support Liverpool or Man United or anyone else are glory hunters. They just had a different route into football fandom than others. I bet there are Cardiff fans who aren't from Cardiff too. And I got, to be fair... A lot of people agreeing with me. I got a lot of... Well, maybe not a lot. I got a solid amount of people who told me that it was bullshit. Um, There seems this really weird thing going around at the minute that football fans are like having a contest about who's the best fan. Like, I've been to more games than you and I support my local team. And, you know, how many people who are Cardiff fans had to drive past Jenna Park where Barry play 
or Penadaran Park where Merthyr play on their way to watch Cardiff play on the weekend. You know, I, I'm so sick of this whole I'm a better fan than you argument um, because I didn't have a normal route into football. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up as well, I mean, Cardiff, not that it matters, but it does matter when you're six. Mm-hmm. Like, we're rubbish. They were yeah. in like the old fourth <laughs> division or whatever it was, you know. No one, when you're that age, wants to go and see... Cardiff City play Halifax Town or whoever like you, you, it doesn't work like that um, and especially I think when it works I think it works it. like that if your dad or your granddad's taking exactly, you yeah. but if it's you finding football it doesn't yeah. work like that and that's exactly what my yeah. thing was I was finding football and I had no one doing that for me so I ended up and I will not bore everyone with a story but I ended up supporting Newcastle um, I still support Welsh football I still support I want. I still want Cardiff to do well by very, you know, nature of everything I've just said. But same for Swansea and and, and, and Wrexham and Newport, and I just hate this constant tirade of "I'm a better fan than you." Mm-hmm. Um, and I get the argument of people saying, you know, you had people who are from Cardiff saying, you know, Cardiff is shit, and I hope they go down, sort of thing. I think that is bad. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuff that has gone around, like some of the abuse people have got, is unreal yeah I think I don't think there's any point in judging someone's devotion to the cl- their club by the route that they took to have that devotion absolutely the important thing is that they're devoted and it's real and they've got a connection and it's their club doesn't matter how you got there um, my cousins are all Arsenal fans doesn't make any sense when they all lived in the junction and real but yeah. It was a it was a genuine route for them. There was a real connection. It was you know just one of those funny friends of friends quirks. Yeah, exactly. Um, and their their devotion to that club is as real as anybody that grew up in Highbury. Yeah. Um, but I do think there is a point where it makes sense. Just looking at the geography, I think there is an onus on someone who lives in town X to at least be supportive in the very general sense of town X United. Yeah. Bloody good team town. United, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, in the sense that it's in the interest of your local community to have a strong local team. Absolutely. Doesn't mean you can't love whichever club you, you've developed the, uh, the, um, the connection with, but I do think you shouldn't be equally, you shouldn't be actively looking to put down. Agreed what's in your neighbourhood I think that's fair yeah. and, I, and I think that that thing of you know people of Cardiff uh, Liverpool fans sorry who are from Cardiff saying I hope they go down all that I, I, I agree with you that I think that's after and I went to my when I started growing up a bit I went to my fair share of Cardiff City mm-hmm. matches but the ship had already sailed mm-hmm. I was a Newcastle fan and that was that so I'm, I'm in total agreement with you on that um, equally and I'm not just being on a, a downer on Cardiff fans here I did see some guy who got a picture of some guy who looked like he took a hell of a beating mm. for celebrating Liverpool's second goal but was sat in the Cardiff end don't get me wrong if you're a home if you're an away fan you sit with the home fans well that's stupid <laughs> but you sit on your hands and you shut up if you celebrate a goal you're an absolute moron but looking at the face of this old fella I mean he was probably looked like he was in his 40s or 50s for him to have ended up walking out of there with a beating he did, mm-hmm. I think is absolutely disgraceful. And I, what, what, you know, is he stupid? A hundred percent. Does he deserve to come out with there with three teeth less than he did? Like, no. when he went in, I, I, it's, no. 
absolutely unacceptable. I'm yeah. not having to go at Kaino. I know every fan base have got their idiots. Um, but when I saw that, I was uh, it's a real shame, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's not warranted. Yeah. The guy, like, as you say, the guy was stupid. He didn't play the game, for want of a better word. Um, but that doesn't negate what happened to him. Yeah. It shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, to look just very quickly, but the last few games, just a yes or no, do you think they're going to stay at kind of C? No, but I, I think it's going to be the goal difference that does it. I can see them both ending up on, say, 35 points. And it'll just, yeah, unfortunately. I think, only because I've said this on Twitter, so it'll give me grief otherwise. <laughs> I can see Brighton not picking up another point now for the rest of the year, rest of the season. And I think Cardiff will beat Palace. And I think they'll draw with Fulham. Okay. And I think they'll stay up. Okay. Which means I've just. You sent scuppered them. Down. them. <laughs> Apologies, uh, Carl. I wonder whether it was what you were saying about the United game. I wonder whether, you know, maybe the wheels come off enough for United that they can't make that top four and Cardiff treat it as a cup game. And who knows what they might get out of that trip to. um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. The only thing is, all the other top four teams are. Uh, sorry, the teams going for the top four are desperately trying their hardest not to get into the Champions League. Arsenal (laughs) losing 3 0 tonight at last check. Oh, 3-1. Well done, Arsenal. Um, <laughs> and obviously, Man United losing tonight. It, people are... Uh, Chelsea drew with Burnley. People are desperate not to get <laughs> top four. So you've just got to hope that Man United's fate is decided one way or the yeah. other by then. Yeah. Um, and as you say, I don't think that's the the nightmare last game of the season that Cardiff fans probably would have predicted mm. and I reckon if you'd offered Cardiff City at the start of the year you've got one you know one point behind Brighton last day of the season do you fancy it I think they would they'd snap your arm yeah. off that one yeah. um, given the circumstances so um, I think they're going to stay up and I just want to say one last thing on Cardiff before we move on sorry it's just, it's just how great they were I thought against Brighton oh that was a game wasn't it negated their attacking yeah. threat brilliantly and I know Knockout wasn't playing but yeah. They negated their attacking threat brilliantly. They defended outstandingly, took their chances. Yeah, Mandy's line goal in particular was Unreal. amazing. Yeah, yep. And I've given Sean Morrison a bit of grief um, again. Not that he's a listener. Um, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> well, you know, Rafa listens. Um, not that he's a listener, but I, I've given him grief, and I thought he was outstanding against Brighton. Um, let's leave on a positive note. Okay, then. sounds good. Uh, and move on and talk about the Swans. On our initial run in order, I just said they've continued their march to mediocrity. But then I actually looked at the table, and that's mm, not true. I, I mean, I've actually put here, I'm going to question Dave's use of the word mediocrity. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're not. They've won four of the last five, after all. They really have. <laughs> I, I said mediocrity because of their kind of mid-table stature. Okay. Um, and then, actually, they got the result they did on, on the weekend. Um, and all of a sudden, you look at the table yeah. on Monday, so not the weekend, and... Um, Hang on. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at who's been doing what over the last half a dozen games or so, only Villa's doing better over the last five games. And In my God, table. Villa, yeah, oh. Villa are racing away. What, you know, they're, they're definitely going to the playoffs yeah, with, going, some, yeah. with some momentum. I think Swansea's problem is not the numbers themselves, but the number of teams they've got to leap over yeah. to make those numbers work. True. 
Uh, I think that I think the chance of four other teams slipping up to enable them to get into the playoffs. I think that might be the issue, not what the Swans have to do, but yeah. just the fact that so many others have to slip down as well. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I think whatever happens, I think they'll probably not get there. But they do have to play Derby in, I think it's their next game. So when you look at that, they've got to, that's a massive game if they want to have any chance. Mm-hmm. They've got to play Blackburn, who will neither going up nor going down. And Hull, I think they're two points behind Swansea at the minute, so they could... I mean, they're very unlikely mm-hmm. to make a, a late run for the playoffs themselves, so they've probably got nothing to play for. So in terms of getting the nine points that they mm. would need, they've got every chance. But like you say, I think there's too many teams in between. You're relying on Chef Wednesday, Bristol City, Middlesbrough, and Derby to drop points elsewhere, so it's probably... Yeah, I think it does, just the chances of all of that combination falling your way yeah, are just too, too tight, yeah. yeah. I think what's worth pointing out, though, is what a brilliant job Graham Potter's done this year. Um, just for them to be in the position where it's still a possibility, I think, is a is a great achievement, yeah. considering their lack of recruitment, what they've lost player-wise. Um, and, and they're so young as well. It's not yeah. just it's not Academy just players, the yeah. inexperienced. They're incredibly young and inexperienced. Yeah. Uh, Plus, I think it's worth pointing out as well that you know it's the as you say with these players, it's their first season. There's so much stuff going on off the pitch. Um, I do wonder whether Potter and the players will maybe look back and think a little bit about what could have been. Like, have they actually missed a really good opportunity to go straight back up or at least be in that conversation? I mean, possibly. You look at the number of games they've given away in the last 15 minutes or so. Um, But equally, I think that doesn't negate it being a good season. You know, you can no. feel you can feel you've missed something, but still have had a great time. If that yeah. makes sense. No, I, I think yeah. the way they play football, I think yeah. every Swans fan would agree that yeah. when they're good, they're really yeah. bloody great. It does feel like they found themselves yeah. again, and that might be the biggest tick for this year: is that the Swans are back, feeling like the Swans. Yeah. Um, I mean, the worry, of course, is that that then puts a few people in the spotlight, and they get grabbed over the summer, and the, there's not an interest from the owners to retain people, and. So I think that's the fear, actually, of having a pretty good season and, and showcased some of this young talent is that it gets stripped, you know, yeah. get asset, it get asset, gets asset stripped. Um, you had one. I, I haven't even <laughs> had one, have I? Um, so I think, um, I think that's the fear. But equally, you wouldn't want them be, to be at the bottom of the table battling relegation and hiding, and hiding, hiding yeah. those... Uh, those key players either so I, I think in some respects it's always going to be an issue isn't it of good championship teams that aren't quite great championship teams are always showcasing their talent yeah, what they, uh, someone else can get yeah. from them yeah. I think if they could get themselves a centre forward to play alongside and sort of be a replacement floor for McBurney I think that would make a big difference because I don't think he needs replacing but when he's been injured or whatever they've literally got nothing else in that department so I think that would be a big thing for them but it's funny you should mention the the last 15 minutes of games and we have not planned this but did I give you a cue and I didn't even realise exactly <laughs> look at this seamless ladies and <laughs> gentlemen um, the way form has been poor they've won just six times away from home all season but right. the biggest thing like you said there was the points thrown away in the last 15 minutes three goals in 10 minutes against Hull uh, which were very close to the end of the game. I know they were 3-0 down against QPR 
He was 17th in the league. I know that was in the first 17 minutes, so that's not fully backing up my stat, but the same principle. Uh, Rotherham, they conceded two goals in eight minutes toward the end of the game. I lost 2-1. They conceded a last-minute goal versus Ipswich, who are bottom of the league and only won two away games all year. I mean, especially the Rotherham and Ipswich ones. They'll be kicking themselves over them because you add six more points to their tally, which is totally realistic and feasible. They are in sixth place ahead of Derby County in the playoffs already. Just those two games. And there's loads of other other examples. Um, so I feel like they may kind of rue those I, two games particularly. I think they may rue it come the autumn if they've lost a few key players and they feel like they're back at square one. I think that's when it, the like you know, hindsight being twenty twenty might come into play. Unfortunately, yeah. But I don't think we should lose sight of this as a good season. Actually, no, I agree. And I think the highlights, you know, the way they played for a long period, for an hour or so against Manchester City, I thought shows what they're truly capable of. And I think if they can keep everyone they have at the moment with one or two more additions, they'll really be up there next year really will and I, and I hope they are because mm-hmm. they're a great great team to watch um, before we move on just a word on Alan Curtis who's obviously retiring mm-hmm. in inverted commas <laughs> uh, as I'm not convinced by the legitimacy of that but um, after he served the club for such a long time um, I think he's I've heard Alice James on their podcast talk about he's someone who should have a statue built outside the stadium and it's very very hard to argue with mm-hmm. that really isn't it yeah, yeah. For for me, I mean, I can picture him playing. It was part of, obviously, part of Toshak's team that got Swansea up the first time. Yeah. I mean, your generation talk about what Swansea were doing, you know, over the last ten, fifteen years or so. My generation talk about what they were doing twenty five, thirty years ago, yeah. and, and they had as as an amazing run then and got yeah. and got to League One when it really was League One, yeah. <laughs> and. He was also part of that um, Wales team that played in the quarterfinals against Yugoslavia. Yeah. He was he was the sub the one sub one sub. Can you imagine yeah. the time when there was one sub? Um, in How both, are Jose Mourinho time waste? <laughs> in in both of those games, and he must have only been like twenty one, twenty two yeah, at, at, at that point, and just so he's not just served Swansea; he served Wales in, incredibly well as well, and. Um, and I mean, we also heard the same piece that Ellis was talking about on um, on Edgefoff. And I think, you know, his love for um, Alan Curtis is very much how Swansea feel about, yeah. feel about them. And um, I think for any club to have someone that feels so much the lifeblood of a place, that's really precious. And yeah. and, and they need to celebrate it. I totally and I think agree. they are, in fairness. Yeah, and I, and I hope... And I hope he does get the recognition he deserves by the, from the club and everything. And as I say, I'm not entirely convinced that he's retiring, but um, good luck to him. And like you say, he's an absolute Swansea legend. So, uh, yeah, good luck again if you listen. Him and Sean Morrison. Um, good luck for the future. Can we just, um, while we were talking about the championship, before we move too far. Okay, I was going to move to the bar, but carry on. Okay, um, I just wanted to mention sort of and I don't know why but I'm actually a little bit bothered about the potential of Rotherham being relegated because folks has kind oh of God. become my like new favourite person 
Ruth is going to crush everyone. <laughs> uh, Chris Gunter, if you listen, <laughs> you, you may have to but step aside. What a guy! What a guy! Just you look at the volunteer work he's doing, and folks, if you haven't seen the letter that he wrote to a young fan who oh, just needed just needed a bit of a hug, basically, and um, Will Vuch wrote the most amazing pick him up letter I think he arranged for it to be left on his seat in the ground he got it to him somehow at the ground yeah unbelievable just just wonderful like let's clone him yeah I mean I wish you could all see the look on Ruth's face (laughs) right now no but um, we'll come back to this actually when we talk about some of our perhaps less savoury characters let's return to this idea but no I agree he is such a great guy and he won the like the the EFL I don't know what the award was called. Like is it Community Award? Community or? Champion of the Year or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And the interview that the Rotherham manager, whose name I forget, gave afterwards, he said, his words were something like, he's one of our best players, but he is the best human being at the club. <laughs> and I think for a manager to come out and say something like that is so like such high praise and... You know, he deserves all the adulation he's getting because I don't even care how good he is at football anymore. I want him in that squad all the time because yeah. I think he he just comes across as such a great guy. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, Let's time to go to the bar. Go. Time to go to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh from our break at the bar, uh, we're going to talk about Newport. I sort of fell in love again uh, with Newport after having not gone watch them for years and years and years when I went at Christmas um, so I've kind of been following them a lot and watching a lot of their highlights and stuff because obviously there's no uh, live games to be seen over here um, they play a great brand of football and I think we've talked about Swansea in a way having a bit of a, a what if season I think Newport have had that but in a really weird way because still not what if I've, I've, for them to be in full control of the situation and win their last uh, three games and to get them in the playoffs, considering the ups and downs they've had through the season, is absolutely staggering. Yeah, actually, of the the three teams that are kind of teetering on the playoffs, I mean, I know Wrexham are in, but the, the three of them that are teetering on the playoffs, they feel like the best bet, ironically, it's somehow. It's weird. Because they, I kind of trust them in a cup environment, for obvious reasons, yeah, and it becomes a mini cup, doesn't yeah. it? That by definition, that's what the playoffs are. Um, so I think if they can treat these last three games that way, um, Lincoln hopefully are going to kind of be on holiday. Yes, now that they've now, now that yeah. they've finished finished out their real season, the game against Oldham is going to be interesting because they're pushing for the playoffs as well, um, and then Morecambe don't have anything to play for, so. You know, is six or seven points enough? Probably not. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's that game against Oldham. They've got to take the three yeah. points there. I think. Just looking at it now, I think Oldham can mathematically. What am I talking about? They can absolutely still get there. Yeah. I was looking at the wrong number. Um, I'll edit that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Oldham have, have still got a chance, but they are uh, four points off. Yep. With two games. And to I play. think. I think the, the fact that that game's at home for Newport might be the key yeah. as well and then they've got to go away to Morecambe perhaps needing three points there on the last day of the on season the you'd day. imagine that'll be alright well I mean Morecambe haven't really got anything to play for 
but sometimes that can swing both ways yeah can't it? they can just be relaxed and not really care yeah. I don't know, it's, it's a bit of a funny one for me. I, I think the, the result that I took most note of that has made the biggest difference was that game against Berry. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that was a massive, massive result for them. Um, and I think Exeter seem very much out of form, so they're on the slide. It's, I don't know, I, I think they're going to get... I, we did this ages ago, we talked about something in like January or February we did one, I said I backed Newport to get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I want to be right on something this season. <laughs> so I'm going to continue to back that. Um, I think it's weird for me a little bit in that Newport seems to go through these little spells where they'll play really, really well. They'll mm. win four or five on the bounce or something or get four or five good results on the bounce and then have four or five mm. really disappointing yeah. results. And those little lulls have, have really seemed to cost them at key times. Yeah. I mean, in some respects, is that kind of a reflection of being in League Two and the players that are in League Two is one of the key differences. I'm getting kind of a bit esoteric here, but it's one of the key differences about being a League Two level player and say a Championship or Premiership level player is the consistency yeah. that you you need to be doing that week in, week out, twice a week, week in, week out in, champ- in the Championship. And if you can do that, you're at that level, whereas by definition if you're not you're a step below and and that kind of inconsistency comes with the territory Um, I don't know I might be no I think think it's a fair point as a side note you don't hear esoteric on many podcasts especially to do with football (laughs) as a side note so we are we're highbrow everyone (laughs) Um, I know I I do know what you're saying I think being able to be consistent is a key part of wanting to get up uh, being able to get up, sorry, and I think Newport's kind of quest to do that, bringing in players as they did in, uh, earlier in the year and being able to pick people up has, has been a key part of that. Um, and I, obviously they lost a couple as well, but I think that has helped them, a bit of fresh blood coming in and helped them maintain a bit of a push. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think... I think they've missed one or two of the players who have left and the ones who've come in haven't quite been overly consistent and I think that's what's ended up making the difference because you can see when people play well how effective they are like I saw Jamil Matt's goal on the weekend really well taken good finish kind of clinched the game um, and shows you know real talent and you know you just can't quite get there on a regular basis um, and I think ultimately that's what if it if the worst happens and, it, and they end up falling short then that's probably just about it like you say the the nature of at the moment being in that kind of middle tier of, of League Two. Yeah. Um, as I say, I do think they'll do it. I think they'd replace Exeter should they get there. Tranmere don't look in great form. Forest Green look in ridiculously good form. I think they've won four of the last five games. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'd avoid them were they to get in there. So there's a lot there's a kind of lots of ifs yeah. buts and maybes I know but I, I think they've got a really good chance if they did mm-hmm. get there like you say they're kind of cut form yeah I think they're they're geared to that kind of tight one-off run kind of um, the needs of those sorts of performances so if they can get in the playoffs I think their chances are right. reasonable um, and again I think even if that's all they do is they get in they have a bit of playoff experience that's a good thing going forward even if nothing no, gets nothing more true. than that that's very true yeah, yeah. Um, lastly before we uh, move on to to the next thing when we're talking about Newport it's worth mention, mentioning David Pipe 
who announced his retirement uh, from football this week. Um, he has played for Coventry, Notts County, Bristol Rovers, Cheltenham Town, Newport, Forest Green Rovers, Eastleigh, and then back to Newport. He's played for the Wales Under-21s, and I didn't realise he'd play. he's got one cap. Oh, I didn't realise that. He played against the USA in a friendly in 2003, which, again, if anyone from the USA Football <laughs> Federation is listening, do another game here, <laughs> preferably in Boston. Um, I think he is someone who epitomises what I love about going to watch football. Mm-hmm. He's 100% committed. He's a little bit of a lunatic. Uh, and a scary man that I would not want to bump into. But I feel like he is, is someone who has got something in his blood about like how, when he gets there, he like he invests fully in the football club mm-hmm. and everything else. Because he played an, a, a decent amount of times for uh, Coventry, 141 times for Notts County, uh, Bristol Rovers 86 times, and obviously for Newport, uh, almost 200. Scored a couple of goals. But I feel like he's someone who is just, he just loves pulling on a shirt on yeah. a Saturday and kind of being And you need in that, football. don't you? You need the player who, on a wet Tuesday morning, is still going to give 100% exactly. in training, in everything. He'll be at your community events. He'll just, he'll just do it. Exactly. And love every minute of it and, and become part of the furniture because of that. I agree. I've got. I think I may have told this after I went to see Newport at Christmas. I can't remember if I did. So if I did, I apologise. But uh, he, uh, Newport, were losing to Forest Green, and Newport, one of the Newport fans, started giving him grief because he was on our side of the pitch uh, playing fullback. And I can't repeat everything that he said, but he was just giving this Newport fan everything back and telling him you've got short memory of you he was cheering me a few weeks ago and the Newport fan shouted something back and he told him he'd meet him in the car park uh, amongst <laughs> a few other choice um, uh, phrases and offers which I'd imagine the gentleman in the stand very politely declined <laughs> but I know that's not what you want to see and it's bad blah 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 but I love players like that who are so absolutely committed. It doesn't matter what division he's playing mm-hmm. and who they're playing and what the score is. They're giving 100% all the time. And if you're giving me grief, I'm going to give you grief back because yeah. I'm not having it because I'm doing my best out here. Yeah. Um, so he's instantly one of my favourite players. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think, I, I think football needs more people like that. Um, so... Again, if you're listening, enjoy your retirement. There's a lot of people listening. Uh, enjoy your retirement, uh, David Pike. Thank you for Mark Davis for getting in touch um, about that. To move on. Are we going to talk Wrexham? Because they're doing my head in. Genuinely. <laughs> I think the fact it's annoying you means yes. Yes, we are. Um, I'm confused by the National League. Because the top six, seven, eight teams are so up and down and so hit and miss and you talk about the nature of teams at that level I mean this is the definition of that this season isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah that is the definition of inconsistent Maybe um, it's, it's a little bit like what you were saying earlier about um, I'm not sure, I don't think we were on mic at the time when you were talking about the top four top six nobody's Mike, nobody's desperate to, to sorry nobody's desperate to win it it feels a little bit like that yeah. like like they're tripping over each other getting out of each other's way at the yeah. minute um i mean they've secured home for the first round if i've understood yes. that correctly i won't pretend i have um 
But you have the horrible feeling that might be it. Yeah, I, I've done a bit of research, just looking at a few different things. Mm-hmm. I'll explain the the way that the playoffs work yeah, now, because it is uh, a little bit complicated. It's a new system this year, so they have two elimination rounds: fifth place versus versus sixth place, and fourth against seventh. As it stands, Wrexham will be fourth or fifth. So either way, they're guaranteed a home game in the first leg. Uh, sorry, in the first round, there's no and that's two a legs. One-off. It's a okay. one-off game. If they win that, if they stay fifth, they will go on to face probably, as this thing stand at the minute, Solihull Moors. Okay. And if uh, depending on wh- whether they come second or third, uh, that defines that. So, so the the fifth would play second, and third would play fourth. Assuming that all of this kind of seeding falls out yes. as you'd expect. Okay. So fifth, yeah, fifth place sixth, fourth place seventh, and then the winner of the first match, yeah. which is fifth against sixth, plays second in the league. Yep. Winner of fourth and seventh, uh, which isn't the Wrexham no. game at the moment, plays Solihull Moors, who are place third place team. Okay. But obviously, there's one game to go. And then you're playing that at whoever. Whoever finished higher in the league gets the home advantage. Yeah, so okay. second and third are guaranteed a home game in the semi-finals. Right. But the semi-final is just a one-off game as well. Okay. So the winner of the semi-final then goes through to the final, which is also a uh, a one-off game at Wembley, at Wembley, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so it is a little bit complicated, but it's just a weird system, I think, but... I think I can see Wrexham getting through the first round and then Salford or Solihull. I, I just can't see them being consistent for three games, which is what they'd need to be. Also true. <laughs> That's my yeah. fear. I mean, I, even if they get through the first one, even if they get through the second one, I just can't see them managing it for three games yeah. in a row. And also, you look. Like, but equally, none of them seem to be able to manage it for three games in a row. Salford and Solihull are on a decent run at the minute, to be fair. Um, but. I agree with you. I'm not sure who I would no. who I would back in that. But you know, everyone's as inconsistent as each other. You just don't know, do you? Like you're saying, um, I don't know who they could face. They've beaten Eastley three one and two nil, mm-hmm. uh, and Eastley are currently seventh. So were they to get to fourth on the weekend, uh, they're on the same points as filed. They would play Eastley. Okay. If they if everything stays as it is, they'll play Harrogate. Um, they drew nil-nil with them earlier in the year, but they're actually playing them on Saturday as the last game of the season okay. so to decide who does what. So I'm not sure if anyone can be tactical about all these <laughs> things. I'm not really sure. I'm sure someone will find an angle there somewhere. Tweet us. Um, Fylde, um, I don't think they can play Fylde unless it were the final. Okay. Because of the way yeah. uh, it works at the minute. But they've lost and drawn to them this year, 1-0, 0-0. Solly Hull, should they face them? They've beaten them 1 0 and lost to them 1 0. And Salford, they've beaten them 5 1, which I think was on Boxing Day. Yeah, that was a great game. Uh, and lost 2 0. Although Salford, as I say, are the form team with four wins out of five in the minute. Um, it's a real jumble, and I would not like to call it. With that said, <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you. I know you hate the prediction, so I'll leave that. But it's a fascinating league, and um, there's a lot of football to be played which is going to be really tense and mm. exciting and, and, and nerve-wracking and everything so 
Good luck to Wrexham. I really, really hope they get there. I mean, there's hopefully a couple, at least a couple of good games at the race course to look forward to there. Exactly. So that, that game against whoever's next will either be on the 2nd or the 3rd of May mm-hmm. in the playoffs is the first kind of elimination round depending on whether they come 4th or 5th so good luck to Wrexham in that and obviously we'll cover that uh, as the rest of the season goes on we are now on to what I have got on my running order as others <laughs> others um, which is still quite a lot um, so if you're bored at this point I've got bad news we're still going um, this is more kind of whale centric stuff um I saw a few tweets a couple of weeks ago talking about Chad Evans. Uh, he's scored 17 goals in all competitions for Fleetwood this season in League One. And I saw a solid amount of people asking him for a recall uh, to the Wales setup. I I don't I don't know how to kind of to play this. So I'm going to ask you what you think first, because we had a cracking <laughs> conversation about this last week in the pub, and I would like us to recreate that now. I've got, I have a real dilemma with this one, because after all, he is an innocent man in yeah. the eyes of the law, and hence he should be judged on what's happening with his football. And give. And there we go. Speaking of an innocent man, <laughs> there you go, the sirens. Every single time. They must know we're on. They must be fans. Um, and so he should be judged with what's happening on the pitch. And given, particularly in a position we have issues, I kind of feel like the door should be open. Then I think about the other side of it and the, the media scrum and the attention and the just the talk and the everything that would come of a recall for him and I want to run in the other direction um, I really value and I mean I really value that we seem to have a team Wayne Hennessy aside and I'll go to that <laughs> Sorry, we Wayne. seem to have a team of just gr- genuinely great people people I would happily stand behind I respect them I admire some of them we very rarely see them in the news for anything daft they just genuinely a great group of lads and the girls as well for that matter and um, and so part of me just doesn't want to open that Pandora box Um, but but then like the kind of I come back to the fact that he's been found innocent. We we shouldn't be putting him. We shouldn't be putting him in like the bad boy corner, really, because legally that's not where he is. I just want to interrupt you there. I agree with you. Mm. He is innocent, but I think he can still go in the bad boy corner because there's no question that what happened that night and maybe it's a one-off I've never met the man I don't know it, it doesn't paint him in a good light does it he's not in the good guy corner maybe no. not in the bad guy corner <laughs> he's certainly not in the good guy corner with Sir Will um, but I, th- I think I agree with you in the, the you know the whole fuss of it the flip side to play devil's advocate is do you think there actually would be that much of a media fuss I think Twitter would probably have a meltdown I, f- but- I fear there would be because I think people look 
look for the controversy. They look for the angle. They look for the talk. They look for the divisiveness. Um, I mean, we managed, we're together stronger for a reason because we haven't got this, these kind of issues. We haven't got this divisiveness. We haven't got a prima donna when we could have. We haven't. Um, and so I think people will look to chip away at that. I think the media will look to chip away yeah. at that. I think you might be right. Uh, I, I'm not sure how many people, how big a story it would be. I think it would be a big story if he got on and he scored, then I think it would raise it. But for him to get in the squad, I'm, personally, I'm not sure. But I, 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 I utterly agree with mm-hmm. you. I think it's not even worth the risk mm-hmm. of, of unbalancing the squad. My big thing is that we talked about last mm-hmm. week was if you look at it, if we take everything else aside, forget the division he plays in and everything, on a purely footballing level, though, we have one centre-forward spot up for grabs. And if we look at the fact that that's where Bale is playing at the minute, and if he's not there, Vokes is playing there. And if you take him out of it, Tyler Roberts has filled that role from time to time. If you're looking at like taking a squad to a tournament, a lot of people take four strikers to a tournament. Would would he be your fourth striker? And would there be a need for there to be a fourth striker given we only play one striker? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... We sat at this bar, didn't you? And you posed that question last week. And I actually thought it was a really interesting question because I think you can get away with the the squad just doesn't need it argument when you can call up 30, 32 players and, and then reduce it to 23 for a particular game. The point that you brought up was what happens when you, you have a, a a defined squad for a tournament. Now, part of me is like, well, let's get to the point where we have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, let's, let's worry about that first. But it it, it actually did change my thinking. It changed my priorities because that you reach a point where you've got to think about the fact you've only got 23 bodies to, to perm and what does that mean? I think assuming that we had all of the midfield strengths and assets that we do and everybody was fit... I think I would I would just go with Vokes and Roberts and, and Bale and live and with it done. and be done. But if we were down a couple of midfielders and we had to play something a little more, um, had to pull Bale back into the midfield a little bit and we were that little bit more stretched up front, I could I could see an argument then. And then part of me doesn't like that because I think, well, you, you can't just decide someone someone is good enough like as a person when you'll put them in the team for pragmatic reasons they're they're either they're either appropriate to play for Wales and they're valued and they're part of the squad and they're they're integral or they're not and um, I didn't like the fact that 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 I, I sat here and chatted with you and I realised that I was sitting on the fence when it came to his involvement in a in a confined squad because because the circumstances and the parameters are different and I realised that was cha- that was kind of changing my mental checklist and I didn't like that yeah um, 
I think so. I think the whole sorry. thing is messy. It is but, messy. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think. Yeah. I think there is an extra point to go along with that as well, which is again I asked you here last week was if he comes off the bench in a European Cup semi final and scores a winner, do you think to yourself, oh, I'm annoyed, <laughs> or do you think get in? <laughs> yeah. You know, it is a weird one and. If he, I think the the way I have thought about this to myself is using our manager as the example. I don't think he's a particularly great human being, but he's our manager. I support him. We did great in the last two games. He's as a consequence, his, his stock is improving in my opinion, bit by bit. So I've got to back him. And in the same way, if Chad Evans got the call up. I would back him, mm-hmm. which again conflicts me, but I think I would, I'd have to do that. For me, I think if he is our fourth best striker, if that's what we're saying, I don't think he is. Mm-hmm. I think there's other people who have performed for Wales, who've played football elsewhere. I, I know it's League Two, but. George Williams, for example, at Forest Green has had a brilliant season. I think I'd rather him in there first. Um, there's the argument that Chad Evans, I think he's 30 or 31 years old. What's the point yeah. to have him two more years? And that's a valid point, actually. Because by the yeah. time we got to a tournament, should we get there? He's then those extra couple of years older. The only argument I can see that I think is legitimate, because he wouldn't get in my squad, he wouldn't. I wouldn't play him in the big games... I don't think League One is a good enough standard for international football mm-hmm. against the Croatias. Um, my only argument is I could see the logic of bringing him for what we're calling the B internationals at the minute, where we're playing teams like Belarus and Trinidad, where it doesn't matter. Like we, we, you can see from the squad that Giggs put out, he is treating it as a B international. We're just playing the games we've got to. If that's the case, do you know what? Mm-hmm. Give him a game. I don't care. Because... Were we to get to a tournament, would he come? I, I just don't see that he would. I don't think it matters that much. The it kind of upsets the balance. I don't because I don't think he would. No. But I could see that he might. So again, I still stick on the side of it's too much of a risk. But but at the end of the day, he's he's not good enough because he plays League One football at the minute to get into that starting team and make a difference to us long term mm-hmm. so all the other nonsense aside I wouldn't pick him because I don't think he's good enough and there's you could find five or six other arguments to go with that I think but I just don't think he's good enough I don't disagree with that I, I think it's just an interesting it's an interesting kind of psychological discussion in and of itself isn't yeah. it about how you approach just the rehabilitation yeah. in the widest sense and how you view people that have baggage justified or not and, and I think as a society we, we just need to just be better at that yeah I agree this is getting deep now isn't yeah. it we've said some long words we've, <laughs> we, yeah, we've talked about societal <laughs> issues um, talking about which <laughs> speaking of societal issues um, the, his- Wayne- the history level of history teaching at Connors Key High School uh, Wayne Hennessy doesn't know who the Nazis are and I'm going to treat this in a slightly comical way because if anyone Wayne Hennessy included genuinely wants to tell me he's never heard of the Nazis 
I just don't believe him. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that for what what he did was make a Nazi salute. I do genuinely believe his story that he was covering his mouth and he was shouting and trying to get someone's attention. In fact, in gesture, and I'm doing it right now. <laughs> so I believe his story, but to go to the lengths that he did to say he didn't know who the Nazis were, I'm sorry, I'm not having that. That's ridiculous. He does. He does. Everyone does. Yeah. And if he doesn't, someone should go and find his history teacher and fire him on the spot. <laughs> I mean, it was like the, the the panel said that I think it was lamentable degree of ignorance. Can I throw in some more long yeah, words? I, I actually wrote, I actually printed the statement. <laughs> yeah. In fact, on. when cross-examined about this, Mr. Hennessy displayed a very considerable, one might even say lamentable, degree of ignorance about anything to do with Hitler, fascism and the Nazi regime. Oh, come on. <laughs> I love you, Wayne, but you're better than that, mate. Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad he's got off, because I, I genuinely don't think there was any malice in what he was doing. But. But basically, someone has said, said there, Wayne Hennessy didn't do this because he's the stupidest man in Britain. I mean, that's ultimately yeah, yeah, what the sentence yeah, is. No, it, it is. It is. They're saying he was very... Came, he actually came across... As dumb. As tup, yeah. A tup, yeah. <laughs> um, which is clearly not how anyone would want to come across. But to be to be ignorant of that topic, of all topics, it that just doesn't wash. I'm, I'm not having it. No. Um, on, a, on a slightly more football-based But note. how does it make you Sorry. feel about standing behind him? Um, I think... I think the question is, you're asking me to stand behind him on the basis that he's stupid or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other... <coughs> I'm sure there's plenty of other players in that squad who aren't the brightest lamps in the street. And do you know what? I'm, I'm sure Alan Shearer would probably struggle with a Sudoku, <laughs> but he's still my favourite player. So, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem with someone with him. Because I do genuinely believe that he didn't do the Nazi salute and the, the okay. hitmanist. I, I do believe that. I think he's stupid. Well, very obviously, mm-hmm. but I, I, in, 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 when I say stupid, I mean in his defence. Yeah, because I don't think he is stupid. But I don't have a problem standing behind him because I don't think he's done anything wrong. I think it's been portrayed as something. It's kind of got out of hand, um, and he's basically bullshitted his way out of it. So I don't have a problem standing behind him. I think I suppose there's a oh Christ. This is becoming very moral. <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess there's a problem with the fact that he's lied about it to get himself off. I think that paints a picture that maybe isn't telling the truth, I guess. But for me, I, I, I do believe his story. And I mm-hmm. think they've just gone to a certain length to prove that what he's saying is true. So as a consequence, I don't have a problem standing behind him. Okay. You made an interesting point about his Twitter account. Yeah, earlier, I found though. it interesting that the last two tweets... One was in the few days immediately after the photo was released, which basically said, you know, I didn't, sorry, I didn't mean to offend anybody. And he clearly at that point understand, understood what was offensive about the image, potentially. Because it said something like, I would never do anything exactly. like that. Yes. There was a specifically... Yeah, so he obviously word. understood why it, there was... Now, maybe someone had had to sit down and explain to him at that point so that he understood it. And then he hasn't tweeted since. And then suddenly, about a week ago, he tweeted out the PFA's anti-racism, um, you know, enough. 
um, point with the with the standard kind of PFA yeah. press release kind of whatever it is, 140 characters. And I'm I just that was another point where I'm thinking, really, Wayne, really. Uh, so I, I just I just don't like the I suppose the shenanigans of this. You know, maybe his legal team said the best idea is just go in here and look up yeah. Wayne. I do, I, I do think that is what happened. I mean, he's nailed it if that's the case. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I'm disappointed by it, mm-hmm. no question. But I, I yeah. do think in order to get away with something that I, I do believe him, I think he's... But wouldn't you have thought the better argument would be like, I can I can see how this has been interpreted the way it has, you know, as someone who understands the consequences of oh, yeah. this particular imagery, I I want to reassure you that was never the intention. It's an accident of the thing. Here are some, here are some images you can see where I have done well, similar, and he did just that, didn't he? he? Did similar that, on yeah. the field, kind of apparent gestures and da da da. da. Um, but to go in and say you don't understand the the history of it. I th- I do, the thing that I can't get along with is that degree of ignorance about Hitler, <laughs> the Nazi regime, or fascism. Like, what fascism is? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I don't know. Like I say, I, uh, I do believe his story. But wouldn't you, if you had been accused of something like that, before you then went and stood in front of the panel, do your best to understand why people were offended by it and understand the history of it and understand yeah. why it was inappropriate? He has since come out and said, like, I'm desperate to know more about the Nazis. Yeah, but wouldn't you have gone into the panel informed about what they were going to quiz you on? Rather than yeah. going portraying yourself as completely ignorant, the whole—it just doesn't wash for me. And I, I think don't they're just disagree. looking for an excuse. I don't they? disagree with you. I think he's—he's he's just. There's enough times where he's been caught on camera, on the football field, making what looks like very similar gestures, that I'm, I can kind of pull it down to just a mannerism. But if you, at one moment, are saying. I'm sorry, I understand how this was offensive and I was never what I was intended. And then in the next minute, you're saying, I have no idea what's going on here. I don't understand the history at all. <laughs> There's a dichotomy there that just doesn't wash. Dichotomy? Sorry. Look at us. <laughs> oh, fascism dichotomy. <laughs> Can't even remember the other word now. Um, no. I, uh, and, uh, do you know what? We're making light of this because it is so ridiculous that I, I don't think anyone has taken this seriously. I mean, I know Nazis and that. I get they're that serious, but surely no one has gone. Fair play, Wayne. He's going to do GCSE history in an evening school. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not happened, is it? No, I don't know. I think I think we should move on to what I want to talk about. I uh, am going to get another beer, and then okay. we're going to talk about Wayne Hennessy and football. No, no, we've done Wayne Hennessy. No, I want to talk about him in football. Oh, in football. Yeah. Okay. In, in his is he still job. playing football? <laughs> well, <laughs> therein lies the question. Come back in a moment, listeners. Okay, so I've got myself another beer. I'm ready to talk more about Wayne Hennessy. I raised this a few weeks ago uh, on Twitter. He's lost his place at Palace. He has not started a game for Crystal Palace since the 2nd of March. 
He did have a bit of an injury in between them, but he's not played since. He's not got his spot back. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a statement on Twitter that I thought that his replacement goalkeeper was toilet, was my phrase. Uh, and someone else gave me a selection of stats, so he's actually quite good. But I, I based that on the one or two games I've seen, one against Newcastle, one against someone else, where his shot stopping was good, but literally everything else he did was rubbish. Mm-hmm. Like his long-range shooting, he was all over the show. His kicking was embarrassing. Um so it's a worry to me a little bit that he can't get back in a team mm-hmm. uh, especially because we're looking at not far off two months now probably until the end of the season at what point do you think how long do you think he needs to have not played for basically before we start to have to ask questions because I think a few months at a time he's done that in the past where he's been in and out and he's still remained on number I one I don't think it's a question for the, the two games in June because there's no one else really knocking on the door. Couldn't agree more. Um, I think it might become a a genuine question in the autumn if he doesn't, he's not featuring, and someone else is putting a bit of pressure on on consideration at that point. I mean, but it's difficult sorry. to see who at the moment. Well, that's exactly. Imagine that we come back in the new season and he doesn't get his place back. But Danny Ward has gone on loan to a championship team. Let's say, for argument's sake, Swansea. Sorry, uh, you're not going to get up in the playoffs. Um, do we then start to think, on the basis that Gig seems to like people who are in form and playing, mm-hmm. do we then start to think we need to change things here? I think it w- I think Giggs would start to think that for exactly that reason. He's, he seems to value people playing week in, week out. He might stretch that a bit more with goalies, but I'm not sure he would stretch it. I mean, potentially you'd be in a position where Wayne hasn't played a competitive game s- apart from Wales yeah. since early March, potentially, if that scenario continues into the new season. Yeah, that's very true, actually. And at that point, I think Giggs would start asking questions. I think I just want to be clear on something. I'm I'm not suggesting that I want him out, and I don't think you are. No, either. no, no. I'm just talking about from a pragmatic approach of what yeah. Giggs thinks. Yeah, he likes and I the think and, and I think come the, come the autumn that if the scenario you're describing, if he's not played since March the second, continues, and particularly if Ward has got himself a, a Premiership gig, um, even a Championship gig, I think. Uh, sorry, Championship gig. Every week, yeah, Championship he? gig. Then. Um, then that's yeah I think the door opens at that point um, I think I, I, I totally agree with you are we still saying that Danny Ward is on number two I think if he got himself a championship gig in that scenario I think he, he might well be presumably it's going okay yeah. you know, you know he's, yeah. he's, so but with the current scenario of who's actually playing some games then probably not let me ask you a bit of a question, um, and I appreciate that this is, we're looking a few kind of it's, steps it's down the road. It's a bit hypothetical, this scenario, this is isn't it? It's a bit it? hypothetical, but just bear with me one sec. Is that another long word? Uh, I, don't, I think we might have said hypothetical before. <laughs> Barnsley are looking like uh, they've got a great chance of going up automatically. Mm-hmm. They're two points ahead of uh, Portsmouth, although Portsmouth have got a game in hand, actually. Oh, so the Mackhams. This is actually upsetting. Um, <laughs> but either way, let's say Barnsley go up next season. Okay. And they're playing in the championship. Adam Davis is playing in the championship. Mm-hmm. Wayne isn't. Ward hasn't got a new job. 
Yeah, then Davies might become the pressure. Do, do we think that yeah. that's where that's going to go? Yeah, I mean, I think... That's from the Giggs' arg- perspective. Yeah, from the arguments that we were making about Ward having a, a gig in the championship, then if Davies is up there with Barnsley and is in that position, then it, the, the same scenario is on the table, isn't it? And I think Giggs does, as you said, Giggs does seem to put weight behind the players that are playing regularly. I think the... I think the stretch is longer for a goalkeeper than it might be for someone else. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think given the um, the quick succession of the games in the autumn, he may feel that it's not worth upsetting the cart. Just see out those games with Wayne. Um, but, yeah, this is getting very... It's button, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. <laughs> um, my last question on Wayne is, do you think he might, if he continues to not get his keeper's place... Do you think it would be worth him going to the championship just to play every week? From again, from ours and Giggs's perspective. By ours, I mean Wales. Yes, I think that's better for for us. For us yeah. Um, whether he does or not, I think he might see it out another season before he really rocks that boat. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, we are now going to move on. We've talked about Wayne and his education and his place <laughs> in football for, for quite a while. Um, a quick few mentions uh, of a few different things Aaron Ramsey mm-hmm. got a hamstring injury against Napoli um, it, it looks like he's going to be, be out for another re- three weeks I know it's a bit of a recurring kind of black mark really isn't it they've not actually set like a date they've just said it'll be like three weeks ish yeah I mean, which it worries sound, me it sounds like he might maybe make the second Valencia game yeah perhaps um and it's clearly paid dividends for the club, actually, not to have him doing the mileage that he's done in some seasons. You, yeah. can, you can see that reflected in his, in his play. Um, hopefully, it, it plays, pays off for us as well in June. I hope, as long as he's back for June, I hope it's mm-hmm. nothing too serious. Um, but I, 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 feel, I think you're right, Arsenal have just kind of played him all the time just mm-hmm. because. Um, but that said, he's not played the last couple of games, and you can see what's happened. Like, they lost to Crystal Palace. They are. They lost. I, I, I'll have to double check now, but because they're playing the highlights as we speak. So if I can stall for long enough, we'll be able to find the final score. It was three-one to Wolves when we last looked. So his absence has obviously made an impact uh, to Arsenal. So I hope that anyone who's an Arsenal fan who doesn't think he's very good is kind of recognising. We talked about in the car on the way here that Arsenal. Uh, desperately needs an Aaron Ramsey type player because Ozil's not doing it no. and he just looks like he's desperate to go somewhere in the summer obviously they've lost Ramsey uh, to Juventus that they, they very much need someone else in that role and you wonder if they might really start to regret letting him go I, I think we all knew that anyway but uh, it's looking a bit more obvious now mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you have seen it but have you seen the new Juve kit no oh you tell. Uh, I'll see if I can dig up a picture <laughs> while I'm talking to you. It is one like instead of having the stripes, it is one half. I don't white, want, I, immediately you're saying instead of the stripes and like I'm like it's all wrong already and I haven't even seen the picture. Excellent news. <laughs> uh, this is just the, uh, the sort of respect, uh, response I wanted. Um, it is it is that one there on the left of the Ronaldo one. That's a bad picture of it, but it's one half black. That one. Yeah, one half black, one half white, and that is just wrong. With a with a pinky stripe. I'm sorry, in the it's middle. just wrong. Full stop. Oh, and so, that's their sorry, ma- that's their main. Like, we're not that's talking about like home a home shirt. Apparently, no. 
I mean, they play in black and white stripes. You, you, oh. I mean, come on, you, you, you love a team that play in black and white stripes. The irony is they've leaked the new Newcastle kit for this season. It actually is actually not dissimilar to that. I think it's shite. But for whatever reason, I actually quite like that. I don't mind it as a design, but it's not you, Faye. What I will say is it would be a shame when I eventually get my Juventus Ramsey shirt if it's, if it's not got stripes yeah. on it. But Can I you imagine? It's a design point of view. I haven't got an issue with it, but it doesn't say Juve. I think if you've not seen it, anyone, you should just Google uh, Juve 2019 leaked kit uh, and you'll see it. I quite like it. And I, I would get one, I think, with Ramsey on the back. I prefer the stripes. This season's is really, really nice, I think. Yeah, um, it's just wrong. Well, that's the end of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the next thing, we've actually still got a few more things to talk I'm about. Have you run out of bits of yeah, it? You've I'm just turned over <laughs> 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 a ring with a blank piece of paper in. This is a worry. Um, the next thing we have got scheduled to talk about is the Welsh Premier League. TNS have won the league. Yeah. I think that's my response as well. Yeah. 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 Um, it's the eighth year in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shame, really, because the battle for the league at one point looked really hotly contested. Yeah. But those other two teams, Barry and Connors Key, really have kind of faded. Faded away. I, I wouldn't say out. badly. No, but, but you know, relatively. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a bit of a shame, really, because someone needs to break that stranglehold don't they I mean they got closer this year hopefully it's something that they can do going forward and there's I mean the fact that it was as exciting as it was as deep into the season that's clearly kind of progress it wasn't TNS literally running away with it yeah although they clearly had the kind of experience and now and maturity and and savvy to pull it off to know what in they need the to end. do yeah um, and you can't I mean I can't begrudge them that they're clearly the best team yeah. uh, but it was it was great to have a bit of a contest for that six eight week period where it was it was really on edge especially when the league splits in half and you yeah. get those kind of more regular games yeah. in the end at the minute they're nine points clear mm-hmm. uh, and have pulled 15 points clear of Barrytown who were, were top at one point yeah. so you can see how things have kind of really changed but it does go to show that that things are kind of starting to turn there yeah, a little it's bit. Yeah, it's getting more even, isn't it? And that, that's always healthy for a for a league. Yeah, that there isn't a standout team. Uh, so I think it's it's and it demonstrates progress, real progress by some of those other teams across the I league. Mean, what Connors Key, some of the play for Connors Key in particular, they've been really enjoyable to watch. And you think of what they achieved in that the Welsh Scottish Cup. Yeah, the Iron the Iron, Iron Brew, Brew Cup. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, uh, they you know to get to the final, you know, against yeah. teams Ross County, they played in the final were in the Scottish Premiership, maybe two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. So you can see the real progress made there. So I, I think that's outstanding. And you know the fact that they're still kind of in the shout and in with the shout. Sorry, in the battle for the for, for the league has kind of raged on that mm-hmm. bit longer. Um, obviously, shows the development other teams have made. I did try to find a reason as to why kind of teams have petered out and uh, Connors Key have played more games through the years as a, as a consequence of their cup run TNS also have a bigger squad mm-hmm. by five players okay over both teams actually right how many of those kind of regular players and stuff I don't know but I feel like having five extra players in a squad that extra bit of depth yeah can make 
a big difference. You can see as they've got to this final end of the season. They've been relying on that a bit more. That extra bit of yeah. depth may well be something that's kind of uh, made, made and a difference. presumably, is that just because financially they can carry the five extra, or is there something about... I, I would assume so. I don't yeah. know the ins and outs okay. of that, to be perfectly honest. But I would imagine that the, the extra finance mm. have got a lot to do with it. And you think that them qualifying for those extra rounds of the Champions League, I think mm. earned them something like an extra million mm. pounds, which in... In, in Welsh league terms is it's a different world <laughs> yeah. isn't it so yeah. you know again massive credit goes to Connors Key and Barry for keeping up with them mm-hmm. um, I wanted to give a shout out to Barry uh, also Connors Key to be fair but Connors Key have guaranteed a spot in the UEFA uh, Cup what's it called now the Europa League Europa. sorry um, kind of qualifying rounds guaranteed uh, the UEFA Cup proper sorry first round whereas Barry Town uh, have got into the qualifying rounds but what an achievement for a club who were on the verge of extinction not so long ago renamed and everything else kind of run through by the community and volunteers and everything for them to be back in Europe again I like they are my local club in inverted <laughs> commas after our conversation earlier so I think that's brilliant I'm absolutely delighted for everyone uh, yeah, about I mean any team that kind of picks themselves up and reinvents it and unfortunately it's needing to happen more and more really isn't it but I think when you can see the the community getting behind them, the the um, the desire for a good team, and the and the energy and the effort that people have put in there, um, there's a you know there's a lot of lessons that uh, some other clubs who find themselves in similar dire straits. There's a lot of lessons to be learned from how Barry have approached it. I actually. agree. Yeah. I agree. And I think what a seamless transition. <laughs> um, but to talk about Tom Pentra, mm-hmm. I saw something on their Twitter over the weekend, which I thought was a real shame. Uh, they look like they are, I don't think they're quite wording it as going out of business, but folding more for reality purposes, not enough volunteers and stuff. Um, the club statement that I just, a bit of the statement I want to read out is the club cannot live in the past, and although efforts have been made to modernise Tom Pentra AFC, the environment in which the club now finds itself is a difficult one. The future of the club is in serious jeopardy. Without immediate action, there's a real possibility that Tom Pentra AFC will not be in position to commence or complete the 2019-20 season. This is therefore a very distressing time for all involved at the club. Tom Pentra Football Club has been going for 123 years. Oh. And from what the rest of the statement says, I'm not going to go out and, and, and read it all out. If you want to look at it, find them on their Twitter page. But... It's basically about volunteers. Mm-hmm. People who have been volunteering for the club for years and years and years have either can't do it anymore or have sadly passed away. And there's no one coming up behind to mm-hmm. kind of pick up the mantle. And as a consequence, they are really struggling. Um, obviously, the demands of being in the division they're in through the FAW and the, the tier licensing that they have to, a process they have to go through mm-hmm. um, is... Is, is it, it's expensive. They don't own their clubhouse anymore, so the revenue that comes from that isn't theirs. It's it's owned by them, and uh, they just sponsor the club. Unfortunately, right. so it's a real shame that clubs like this can have to can can be in this situation. Um, and I would really like to say I I sent them a message the other day saying I know I live for thousands <laughs> of miles away, but if there's anything remotely I can do, I'd be more than happy to help. Um, Equally, if you live in the area, uh, whether it's in Tom Pentra or anywhere near in the Ronda, then please do kind of volunteer your time. And it's such a such a great club 
to be part of. I've played, like I did a blog recently talking about Lauren Dykes and I've talked about teams that I've played up against. And like One of my girls' teams played against Tom Pentra. Um, like, great place, great club. And it would be such a shame if they had to fold. Um, so if you are interested in supporting that club, Tom Pentra, in the area, please give them a, give them a shout um, and involve so yourself in any way. So it's interesting, it's as much manpower as it is financial yeah. by the sound yeah. of it. That's they've, interesting. They, if you read their statement fully, they've got ring-fenced funding, mm-hmm. which they've specifically put aside and set aside for pitch improvements and stadium improvements to, to um, tick the boxes from the FAW in terms of what they have to get license-wise right. to get the different tiers. Um, so they've actually run themselves really, really well. But they've relied on such a long time for volunteers. Those volunteers aren't able to You're do just anymore. Just aging and, out, really. And, 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 and there's no one else to step in. Mm. So if you've played for Tom Pentra, if you've played against them, if you've played near them, uh, you know, give someone a call there and get involved. Because I think, I know from my years of coaching and being involved in grassroots football, it's such a fun experience and met some brilliant, brilliant people. So I'm sure it's the same up at Tom Pentra. So please don't let their 123 years. Mm. That's ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? Uh, please don't let that go out of uh, out of business and kind of shut down. So if you're involved or if you're nearby, sorry, please try and get involved. This is quite a this is quite a big podcast we've done today. We're changing lives on the, on the front line here on the cold face. Thank you for dinging the bell for that. I appreciate it. Um, I had one more thing to mention before I go to the silly stuff at the end. Okay, uh, which was Matt Smith. Okay. Who has just won the league with FC Twenty, yes. and they have gone from I don't know what the division is called, but the Air Division's Championship, uh, yeah, as they call Aerodiv- it. In I think I think it's Division Two. I think they oh, actually it? call it Two. Uh, well, they've won the league, mm-hmm. and they are going back to the Air Division next year. Yeah, uh, and he's obviously played a massive part of it. He was uh, such an important player. He actually played right back on the weekend. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> and he. Like they're playing some nice. I mean, playing typical really kind nice of football. Dutch, yeah. lovely Dutch football, aren't they? Um, which and they've won the, the league at a canter uh, as yes, well, and that'll be great experience for him. I hope he stays there next year. Actually, yeah, me too. Um, I think playing upper division, actually playing the Ajaxes of the world, you know, that'll that'll be a great education for I him totally too. Agree. Too, yeah. Um, so I put out a tweet today asking for other people if there's anything people want us to talk about. Um, so I said I would talk about it. One of those um, was a reminder that David Piper's retired. We've done that. Not one. that we needed a reminder. <laughs> the other one was for Chuck Bastian FC. Now, right, you're going to have to start at the beginning for this one for me. I don't know if anyone has. We have been podcasting so long that we're on to sirens number two. <laughs> Is it the fire brigade, though? <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. Bear with us, listeners. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Yep. It is the fire brigade again. <laughs> We've been here for a while, everybody. Oh, and an ambulance. An ambulance. It's less funny all of a sudden, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, so I put out my tweet asking if there's anything anyone wants us to talk about. So I got a tweet from Chuck Bastian FC. Now, I'm aware that many of you may not have heard of Chuck Bastian FC, and that is because they play uh, down Gaul. In okay, Cardiff. right. Uh, just. Uh, Behind Leckwith Stadium, across mm-hmm. the road from Carlisle Stadium, on a Sunday. Right. Uh, but they are battling for the Division One oh. title. Nervy times. <laughs> uh, and on the last game of the season, they play 
Creams Park Rangers. That's Creams, <laughs> not Queens. Uh, on Sunday in the last game of the season. Confidence should be high after a last-minute 11-10 win. 11-10 win. <laughs> what a game, boys. Is there, is there highlights? Can you send us clips? <laughs> is there a goalkeeper? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Was there a goalkeeper? We need more information. Um, so, well done for that win. Uh, well done to Chris Braham for scoring four goals. His most ever in a single game in a Chuck Bastian shirt. <laughs> What an achievement. Here we are talking about Aaron Ramsey scoring goals yeah. or Chad Evans or whoever else. Does Chris Braham need the call-up to the Wales squad? Throwing, throwing four in at a time. Well, exactly. Give him, give him a call, so Ryan. Is, is, when did, Sunday is the big day? Sunday's the big day. Sunday's the big day. So Chuck okay. Bastian FC, if you can send us a tweet, uh, we will retweet you and yep. celebrate joyously your uh, your victory in uh, Sunday. If you win. If you don't, don't tweet. Um, speaking of goal... Uh, I feel it's only fair that I give a shout out to my old uh, five-a-side team. We play on a Monday night. It's not quite the the heady heights of Sunday Division One. It is Monday Division Four. <laughs> but the Boomslow Wolves, who are genuinely may actually be one of the goal- oldest teams down goal. Okay. What we've been talking about. We've been going for a long, long time. Uh, won the league, uh, the Division Four title. Well done. Uh, the boys uh, are very proud of themselves, mainly because I got us promoted when I was playing for them, but we never won a league. Oh, Since I see. I've moved right. to America, they've won the league three times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's a tail in there somewhere. I do. <laughs> the opposition must have got worse. Um, so I contacted current manager Owen Porter, mm-hmm. uh, one-legged O's, to right. those who know him best, speaking of not a goal goalkeeper in the last <laughs> game, um, for, a, for a quick comment. And he said, you can't win the title in August, but you can lose it. And that was our main concern. You're just talking in cliches. <laughs> Goals win games, and we certainly won games. We have a great squad, and they always gave 110%. Aww. What Proper a, manager talk yeah, Exactly, there. that's a bullshit. <laughs> what a knobhead Anyway, um, he has given the most improved player this season to Ben Taylor, the top goal scorer to Paul Hicks. I know from experience that can't be true. <laughs> uh, and the most missed player is Matt Red. Um, so well done to the Boomslow Wolves. I hope I've not ruined your end of season do by announcing uh, the best players there on the Whoops. pod. Most people have probably stopped listening by now. Uh, we could go on forever. No, but everyone stopped after the Chad Evans conversation or Wayne's a Nazi. Everyone stopped listening, haven't they? Anyway, um, I've got nothing else to say. Okay, that'll do for now. Should we call that quits? Yeah, that'll do. Well, thank you very much for listening. I think we'll probably end up doing like an end of season uh, review for everyone uh, once all the playoffs have been, have been kind of played out and, and everything else. So we'll hope we hope you join us for that one and some internationals to look forward International to. International stuff. The women are playing soon as well. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, lots for us to look forward to. Oh, my last thing before you go oh. is, who do you think is going to win the league, Man City or Liverpool? Oh. I think they're both just going to win out, and so it'll be City. There you go. You heard it first, ladies and gentlemen. Liverpool, <laughs> <the> Premier League <laughs> champions. <laughs> I'd, I'd actually like Liverpool to win. I would like neither of them to win. Well, uh, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Uh, no, I think I'd prefer City to win due to family connections. But uh, yes. Anyway, on that note, an hour and 20 minutes in. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>